Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. It's Center Court with Ralph Sampson on the Winner's Circle Network and a, a great day, Ralph. It's, uh, it's good to talk to you. A special guest today, which I can't wait to talk to you about. The one, the only, the Marvel, Dick Vitale. He's the brand within his own self, right, back. And I don't know how that happened, but, you know, he was there at the right time. You know, he's 80 years old now and still going. And it's amazing to see his journey from even when ESP and all this stuff started and tell the stories. So this should be a great, great interview. But, you know, he's going to be hyped up. He's going to be Dick Vitale. And yeah, I, can't exactly. wait, I can't wait to interview him. Yeah, awesome, baby. What do you remember about the first time you met him? Well, again, you know, I mean, you know, back then ESPN was, you know, early 70s, late 70s, early 80s. ESPN was just starting. Uh, you know, and he was kind of a quirky guy back then, right? Like, okay, who this dude up here talking about basketball, <laughs> screaming and hollering? I mean, nobody wants to hear that, right? <laughs> uh, game after game or whatever. And then it just kind of started to stick, and he was entertaining more than just the game. You can commentate, you know, the game and do analysis, do the color, but he was color extraordinary, right? He, mm -hmm. he started to go in more in depth with his stick, he started to understand what he understood the game. We started to understand the players off the court and build those relationships that last for a lifetime. Do you remember the first time maybe there was a sit down? I mean, he wasn't the guy that that ESPN was saying, hey, go sit down, do an interview. Not like Jay Billis, not like, you know, 94 feet with Billis and all that. But do you did you have a sit down with him at, at any point in your career? I don't recall one early in the career as far as the uh, college, you know, thinking about, you know, the Doug Elgin's of the world and Coach mm -hmm. Holland's probably wouldn't let Dick Vitale sit down with us at that point in time because we were not that type of, of school and, and, and university at that mm -hmm. point in time. But, again, ESPN was just starting. They were focused on more of the Big East uh, instead of the ACC. ACC, we had, you know, ABC Game of the Week, blah, blah, blah. So we were already locked into our own network uh, in the ACC network at that point in time. But Dick was all ESPN and, and, and doing his game, the NBA games, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, he came from coaching, high school, college, uh, NBA, <clears throat> from that track. And then his ESPN to commentating. And as he, I'm sure, will tell some stories about his journey. But he didn't mm -hmm. want to try commentating. He wanted to be a coach. You know, everybody wants to be a coach to do a thing. But he found his niche. 
He found out what he was good at, and then he just exploded. I mean, I mean, everybody around the world knows Dick Vitale when he talks. I don't care who it is, what what area, what country, what, what whatever. Everybody knows who he is. I, I'm sure he will tell the story of all the Carolina battles. <laughs> I remember it was the one down there. I mean, I mean, my first year with you, Virginia came back from two 17-point deficits and beat UNC. And now we had one in Carmichael and Jordan's playing. And um, they come from 17 down. Jordan on a steal. I'll never forget the slam. It was a complete turnaround. And Vital was going crazy. And so he's, he's anointing Michael Jordan. And he goes, who's this Ralph Sampson guy or whatever it was? And then you had a chance to kind of get back at Dick because he came to Charlottesville not not too much after that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was a, you know, iconic game when we were playing, you know, okay and got down and Michael was just, you know, getting started basically mm -hmm. in his, you know, world of UNC and, uh, you know, defensively had a great defensive stop when one of our, our guards stole the ball and went down, made one of his soon, now we know, iconic dunks. <laughs> so, you know, Dick Vitale and the old babies and other started the hype. <laughs> but he didn't even understand what, at that point in time, Michael Jordan, who he was and what he would be, right? Right. So, I uh, mean, me being playing player of the year, whatever. So, he had to come back to our court. <laughs> so, you know, it made me more motivated at home in University Hall to play against UNC again, Michael Jordan and Dick Vitale there and say, okay, let me, let me just quiet this noise that you got on the sideline. You see Dick in the press area, right? Or, or yes, the yes. players area as you're walking out. And you said something to Coach Vitale, right? I know we had to, you know, just have to stand up. Like, hey, okay, you said certain things about me and sure. Michael Jordan and, and this, that, and the other. So he walks by and says something. So I want him to make sure he knew that I knew what he said. Oh, that's awesome. just something, you know, something like that. You know, back in the day, Mike, Vitale uh, 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 and Michael Jordan, this, that, and the other. Mike, you know, people would use stuff like that on the bulletin board to motivate the team and the player, whatever. I didn't need much to be motivated. <laughs> something like that was, you know, extre extremely motivation for me to play at my best at that point in time. So I think even the night before, I used to, find that day, as I can recall right now, I used to room with Lewis Collins, mm -hmm. football player, and then I had uh, some one of the managers room with me as well. And I would, before those type of games, I would rearrange my furniture in my in my place I lived, make sure everything was clean and nice and neat before I went to bed because I wanted everything to be perfect for that game. I couldn't sleep. You know, nights before games like that. So I made sure I clean, I, I, I set up everything. So when the next day came, I was ready to go. Oh, that's good stuff. All right, we'll go to break when we come back. The, the big hearted Dick Vitale. The one and only. The one and only on the Winter Circle Network. And we'll do that when we return. Stay with us. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. The mission for the Sampson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities. Your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Two passer, two passer, and he's too 
talented. Oh, give him another look. There he is. He's going to the green room, baby. <laughs> We've had our great. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back to Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network with Ralph Sampson and uh, a guy who needs no introduction. We're talking about a guy who's been doing ESPN basketball for 40 years. I don't want to date him. He's, huh. he's got more Hall of Fames, including Stick. The Little League Hall of Fame, <laughs> which I've got to ask him about at some point. He's in the New Jersey Hall of Fame, the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame. He got a Lifetime Achievement Award from uh, the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. He is the one, the only, Dickie Baby. He is. <laughs> great to see you. Well, it's great being on with you. Certainly a great admiration for Ralph and what he's achieved in his career. In fact, I book out. After my 40 years of ESPN, in the book, I did my Mount Rushmore's, the best players, mm -hmm. four best, four best coaches, four best recruiters, four different categories. And anybody would like a copy of the book, they just go to DickVitale.com, and every dollar, Ralph, that I would make goes to kids battling cancer oh, through the great, V Federation. Great. Perfect. And Ralph is one of my four. Uh, my four <laughs> were... A lot of people disagree with me on a lot of picks, especially with, with my fourth one. I had my top four were uh, Ewing, uh, Leitner, Ralph, and Jordan. And a lot of people said Jordan didn't belong there because of the fact that he did his fame when he was a, a, a professional player. I think a lot of people really thought I should have had on there. I don't know what you guys think. Wayman Tisdale. Uh, they thought Wayman Tisdale, who died so early in his life. Yes, he no, did. Yes, he did. He's a beautiful I, I, guy. I played with him in Sacramento and um, very, very special guy. I mean, he, he loved to play the bass, bass guitar and, and he, he loved his music with passion. So, but Wayne was a great guy. Absolutely. He was, he was a great musician. In fact, yes. I did not know that Ralph. And I was the first recipient of the Wayman Tisdale. They started a big event. Yep. And uh, it was just a, a Toby Keith was Billy involved, the country Western singer. He, uh -huh. and, uh, he was very close friends with uh, Wayman and, they had this big, big event. The place was jammed, man. It was packed, all raising money in his name and the whole bit. And I was so honored to get that. And the stories I heard about him, what people in Oklahoma were saying, just almost brought me to tears because this guy was loved, man. Yeah, yeah. He was, he, he never forgot where he came from. And they talked about his music ability. They said, I mean, this guy was an M, he was a Grammy Award winner. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you named your top four. College players, what's the top? You know, everybody disputes who's the best. NBA, who's your top five in the NBA? Professionals. Oh, you want to talk about right now who I like in the NBA is the best? No, no, all, 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 all time, all time. You know, I had a story, an argument just the other day, a debate. You never hear the name Wilt Chamberlain. And all I know is the guy averaged 50 <laughs> and 20. 15 points a game and 20 rebounds a game. Why isn't his name mentioned? He was so dominant. You don't hear the name of Kareem that often. And as a, as a pro, as a collegiate, as a pro, he was sensational with the Lakers. We hear LeBron and we hear certainly Jordan and deservedly so, so explosive and so talented. But one of my favorites doesn't get a whole lot of recognition years ago. I'm dating because Oscar Robinson. I think oh, the yeah. big old, big old is so good. So, but you know what, Ralph? It's so difficult to pick who is the best. And you know what it is? 
it's really just a subjective feeling. It's what one person likes. If you're a fan of, of, of Chicago, you're going to love Jordan. Mm. You don't want to hear about LeBron. But I, <laughs> I get amazed that we don't hear the name ever. I don't ever, I very rarely hear the name Chamberlain. And what he did, those numbers blow me away. I remember Bob Lanier. You, you know Bob Lanier. Big Bob, Bob yes, yes. I, I coached Big Bob, and unfortunately for me, he had knee problems. He couldn't play. Yeah. I had the greatest – I tell you, I had the greatest assistant coach. We're getting beat one day by the Lakers. Jabbar's hurting us on the inside, right? And Lanier, he's in this beautiful suit because he's out with a knee injury, and he whispers to me, he says, Coach, I think I know our problem. We're not getting any inside game. We're gonna... <laughs> I turned to him. I says, are you serious? You might see my inside game? You're sitting here in a suit. John Schumacher's in a suit. I said, that's my inside game. We were talking about your very first game. And you talk about college players who get overlooked, probably. Your first game, I know you know this, was in 1979, December 5th, DePaul, Wisconsin, and one Mark Aguirre. That was a magical yeah. team, wasn't it? That were a terrific team, and I was just honored to do that game. Also featured a coach at Wisconsin who died very early. Uh, one of the first African-American coaches in the, in the Big Ten, Bill Cofield. Remember that name at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his son, uh, what, the start player was Wesley Matthews on that team. His yeah. son right now plays for uh, uh, plays for the Lakers. Lakers, Wesley, yeah. Wesley Matthews, he plays for the Lakers. But uh, Bill was a great guy, and certainly that DePaul team was special. That was my first game, man. That, that's a great story about that game. Yeah. I know nothing about TV. I know nothing. In fact, I didn't want to do it. I turned when they called me up. I got fired by the Pistons. Certain days in your life you remember. I got fired by the Pistons on November 8th, 1979. I'm as depressed as can be. I'm in my 30s. My career's exploded. Winning two uh, high school state championships. I go to the University of Rutgers. We recruit the greatest recruiting class they ever had. They, a lot of people don't know this. 1977, you named the final four, six rather, you named the final four. You had Indiana with the shy coach, Mr. Mm -hmm. Knight. You had uh, also UCLA. You had Michigan. And it was Rutgers. They were 32-0. and 0. All those kids we recruited. So that led me to get a head coaching job at the University of Detroit. I go there, and we turn it around. We have first team to ever get in the tournament uh, at Detroit. Uh, Terry Tyler, John Long, great kids. Earl, yeah, uh, great, yeah. great kids. Terry Durod. So we won 21 in a row that year. In February, we beat the national championship team that won it all in March. We beat Marquette in Milwaukee. That's how good we were. We won 21 in a row. And we had a hell of a team. So now I leave. I get offered the Pistons job. And I I, I should have probably never taken it because I was coming from college. <laughs> no, no, Ralph, you know what we all think? We all think that we could come here and we could change everything that they've been losing for years. They've been having problems for years, firing coaches. You always feel, oh, I can change that. We can win. Well, you find out you can't. And I remember complaining. <laughs> My wife told me, you can't complain to the owner like you do about you can't win. I would say to him, I said, Mr. Davidson, he was a great guy. You think I can't beat the lake? I could coach Tom Blue in the face. We're not beating Kareem. I yeah. can't beat Dr. J in Philadelphia. I can coach Tom Blue. In, and I go on and on with different teams. So I need players, man. He'd say, Dick, you're your biggest enemy. We know it's going to take five years. I said, I can't take five years to get pounded like this. Crazy. Well, he finally fired me. Turned out to be the best thing of my life. So I went to TV right now and I got the best record in all <laughs> sports. I mean, I've not lost the game. 
I haven't yeah. lost a game in 40 years. What was the transition like, though, Dick? Did you feel you had a lot to learn being in that chair? Wow. I, uh, Mac, I was absolutely lost the first. Okay, here's the first thing. They signed me this game. I haven't been out of my house in ages. I told them no when they first called me. I'm going to go back coaching in college. And my wife said to me, you know, all you're doing is sitting around the house feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> I was so desperate, so depressed. So she practically, they, lucky for me, they called me back. They called me back the second time, 10 days later. And so look, our first game on ESPN, our first game on ESPN is December 5. We want you to do the game. And the guy that called me used to be the head of NBC. And we're not on TV often when I was at the University of Detroit, but our game, our game against Michigan in the NCAA Sweet 16, they decided to televise because Michigan wouldn't play us during the year. I beat it my first year when I was a coach there, and they dropped us. So here it is, David versus Goliath. They got the big budget. They got the, so TV got involved. So NBC decided to televise the game. I'm at practice at Lexington. I'm telling you, Ralph and Mac, I, I was like a little kid. I'm, I'm probably 31, 32 years old. I look in the crowd watching practice. I see John Wooden. Oh, I, see, yeah. I see Kurt Gowdy, one of the most famous announcers in the yeah, Super Bowls. I'm, I'm going to say, what the hell? So all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me and says, uh, Dick, after practice, uh, Coach Wooden and Mr. Gowdy want to talk to you. But they're going to do your game tomorrow night. Oh, my God. So I call my kid. Didn't know how this would change my life. I call my team over. And I said, I give a five-minute talk on greatness. I said, you know, that term is used so loosely, guys. But this represents greatness. Emmy Award-winning broadcaster, 10 national championships coach. I said, we are honored. Well, little did I know, we lost a heartbreaker that night against the number one team in America, Phil Hubbard, Ricky Green, Michigan. They beat us in the last minute. And we think we took so much out of them. If you recall this, one of the biggest upsets ever in the NCAA to go to the Final Four, they got beat by Cornbread Maxwell in yeah, North yeah, Carolina, yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. So, so anyway, I get fired by the pistol. My phone rings. He says, Dick, you're not going to remember me. But my name is Scotty Connell. So I was the guy, the head producer, the executive producer for NBC. And I did your game against the game, you know, Michigan game. And he said, we left the arena. I said, Kurt Gowdy and Coach Wooden said to me, man, we love that young guy's enthusiasm and his energy. So you should think about him in TV. So I wrote your name down. He said, I just got named the head of a new network. It's yeah. called ESPN. <laughs> I wanted to do our first game. Oh, my God. <clears throat> you know, I said, no, no, no. And finally, I said, yes. And I went there. The producer, I had no idea that you're supposed to get there backward notice. You got to get there early and all this jazz. I, the game is at seven o'clock. I figure if I get in here by six o'clock, I'm in plenty shape. So I come straight in. And they, there was no uh, I, phones like we have and cell phones. They said, we've been trying to call you all day at the hotel. I said, I was walking around the city of Chicago. I said, just trying to do, have a little fun. So we got a game, our first game. We're doing a big basketball game. I said, well, look, I looked at my clock. I said, look, I said, we got about 55 minutes. What's the problem? <laughs> so anyway, I went on that game, had so much fun. And it was just, it was really, really great. But as you said, Mac, they, they assigned me a great pro to work with me. Because mm -hmm. the guy in charge says to me, you got three things we can't teach. Your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and you're not afraid to give an opinion. So, but you have no clue 
None. <laughs> right, in out. So I'm going to sign you. And he signed me a guy. Back in may know the name. Jim Simpson. Oh, yeah, you think? Legend. Well, yeah, a legend. Absolutely. Legend. He worked so hard with me. We'd go to lunch on days that do games. And he would throw names at me. And like he said, Ralph Sampson, I have to come up big, tough inside, mobile, agile. Give him a quick analysis. Not just talk for an hour. You can't right. do that. But uh, anyway, that helped me big time. And it's been 42 years that succeeded any dream I ever had. You mentioned Hall of Fames. If you would have told me, I'd be a Hall of Fame with all those greats. My grandkids get a kick when they see my pictures up there with the Jordans and all the great players. Mr. Hunter, Mr. Hunter, make it like a little Michael Jordan on that base. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back to Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. The great Dick Vitale is with us for a couple of more segments. And uh, Dick, you were talking about the people you worked with. It's just Mike Patrick, Dan Shulman, Keith Jackson, Roger Twibel, Brent Musburger. You, you've worked with uh, a lot of... Al Hall Michaels, players. too. Al Michaels. Yeah. I mean, it goes on and on and on. What did you learn early in your career then? What did you learn about broadcasting and what you needed to do? Probably I'll tell you right now, I don't think I've learned much because I just, <laughs> my producers say, we, we have production meetings and they say, I don't know where I'm having a meeting for because when the red light comes on, you're going to go off and do you. Nah, what I've learned is to respect the play-by-play guys. I've never looked at myself, Mac and Ralph, as a broadcaster. I really never did. I look at myself as a former jock who came out of the locker room and somebody gave me a microphone, talk about the game I love. I get amazed. You mention those guys' names. I get amazed watching how they get in and out for commercials. People in their ears talking to them every moment about this, about do that. And it's just an amazing trait that they possess. And I admire all of them. I really do. I, I, I think that's a tough, tough job, man. And then, you know, me, I just... I basically tell you why a team's winning, why they're not winning, and what's going on, and have a lot of fun doing it. I think one of the biggest problems I see, I was told this, Mac, by the boss who hired me, Scotty Connell, God bless him up in heaven, give me that chance. When I did my first couple of games, he said to me, I want you to listen to me. He said, I know you're thinking about going to college. Don't. He said, you're going to make an incredible living doing this. And I said, why? What makes you think that? He said, you connect. He said, whether people agree with you or disagree to go into the water cooler. And I was saying, did you hear what Dick Vitale said yesterday? And I didn't know what that meant until I did my first, I went to the first Final Four, 1983, the year Jimmy won it all. I went there. I'm getting people besieging me for autographs. For us, what the, what's this? <laughs> he says to me, boss, this is what I was telling you. But he told me something, Mac, that I don't think a lot of guys listen to. And I did. I'm being honest with you. He told me two things you want to do. You want to educate and you want to entertain. He said, too many guys come out of the locker room as coaches or players, and they want to play to their peers. And they get overly technical about the game and what they're speaking. Half of 90% of the people don't know what they're talking about. Have no clue. So try to make it simple. And I've tried to adopt it out. And I, and I've, feel I've done that throughout my career is trying not to. I know when I watch sometimes baseball game, every pitch is dissected. I love baseball. 
But every pitch, the angle on this thing, I mean, feel like my mother and father were uneducated <laughs> people, beautiful people, just loved sports, had a doctor to love. My father would be sleeping after the first inning. Football. <laughs> every play in football, replay, this angle, this block. I mean, come on, man. Talk to me in terms that we're having fun. This is television's entertainment. It's not just sitting there X and O and people to death. I mean, I could exit all with a lot of people, but the bottom line, I try to keep it simple. When did like Dick Vitale, the first game, second game, you learned all that stuff, right? But everybody in the world knows Dick Vitale. So what makes you still Dick Vitale today, and what made you do that? You know, Ralph, I think really one of my keys has been the fact that I've been so enthusiastic at, so enthusiastic about what I've done. I, I probably get every day whenever I go out for dinner or go to lunch, people go, where do you get that energy? I mean, yeah. the guy said to me, you just the other day said to me, you're 81 years old, said you your energy coming through that TV. You know, I think I learned that really as a kid growing up. A lot of people don't know this. I lost my eye as a kid. I'm blind in my left eye through an, through an accident that I had. And my mother and father, I mentioned them earlier, I'd give anything for them to see the home I live in, the people I've met, the places I go. My mother and father had a fifth grade education. My dad worked. I haven't worked a day in my life. I've been stealing money, man. <laughs> Talking about the game I love. My father took me my junior year in high school because I was going to be like all my friends, my buddies, go drop out of school, high school, graduate high school. And that's the end. Nobody went to college in that era, my era, when I was there. And, and he'd he say to me, all the time and say, Richie, never was like, Richie, don't do what I'm doing, Richie. You got a brain on your head. You got to go to school, Richie. And he took me as a junior in the summer to help him at work. My job was to run the coats from the people that sold the coats, run them to him, and he pressed the coats in a hot factory, press it, and he got paid by piecework. So the more coats he pressed, the more money he made. And he just pressed. I watched it. Then he would come home, Ralph, we'd have dinner. I learned more at my dinner table than any class I ever took. I learned about love. I learned about diversity. I learned about family. I learned about caring about one another. And my father would, after dinner, put a security guard uniform on and go walk the mall from like 7 to 12. Every day. That was his life. That was his life. But they taught me. My mother used to always say to me, and I, I was really down when I lost my eye. And I, I got about 12, 13. And my eye used to drift on me. I could never look you straight in the eye with real... And people would tease me. And I'd go in my room many times and cry my eyes out. I'll look at my mirror at my eye and I'd say, Ma, the people mocking me out. I can't, I can't take it. And she would give me so much encouragement. I said, Richie, don't let those people. They're losers if they're teasing you. You're gonna, you could be somebody. You've got so much spirit. She never said it. Spirit. Don't let You're going to be somebody. They can't hold your spirit back. I would give. I would have given him. I got inducted in the Hall of Fame. I was got inducted. Yeah. I got in with uh, Patrick Ewing, with Olajuwon, with people like um, oh, got Pat Riley, and it was really great. I, I I had two seats. I looked at there and I said, I'd give anything for my mother and father to be sitting here today because yeah. it doesn't happen mm -hmm. without their encouragement. And I think their inspiration. You know, they told me Ralph and Matt something I don't see in our nation. I must have heard 10 times a day, Richie, treat people with respect. All people. Treat them how, I used to hear this, treat them how you want to be treated. Yep. And if we all did that in our country, we wouldn't have all this hate that we have. Right now, there's too much hate in our country. 
I mean, come on, we need more love, man. Why don't we put our arms around each other? Whether we're rich, poor, black, white, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, I don't give a damn. We're people. Let's love one another and let's have such a better situation. Just treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah, Ralph, he was, um, and, and you wouldn't know this because you're in the layup line, but Dick Vitale would find the home announcer normally or the, the, the school announcer. He would talk to the, the, you know, the school's play-by-play guys, the color guys, and, and he would, you know, we'd take some notes. Hey, look for this. This guy's got an injury. Uh, Dick would ask us questions, and it was a big part of Dick's preparation. But he never, ever then during the broadcast forgot us. He would, he, during the game somewhere, he would, he would talk about my charity tournament. He would talk about, oh, and there's the great broadcaster from Virginia, you know, Johnny Holiday from Maryland. He's, you know, one of the best, blah, blah, blah. Dick never forgot any of us. Well, you know, I, I just right now, what I have a little habit, almost every game I mentioned sports information directors sure. and how important they are, especially now dealing with the pandemic where we're not at the arena to mm-hmm. talk the information they provide and they don't get paid what they deserve. So I always give them a pop here and there. Sure. I don't see anything wrong with that. And, and, and I don't know. I love people, Mac. I've loved, that's why I'm so involved with pediatric cancer because I hate to see kids suffer. And I, I've gotten to know a lot of kids. And in fact, I spoke at three funerals and oh. toughest speeches. I've been 40 years with the Washington Speakers Bureau. They booked me all over this country, corporate groups, black ties. I've been the, you name them. Toughest speeches ever, ever. Stand and watching a mother and father put their child to rest. I mean, it just tears your heart. And I'm really, I'm obsessed with this now, raising money. <laughs> I tell people, if they can go to thickbytown.com, they can find out, they can donate. But it is really important. We need this for kids. Oh, nobody stops. Stop the ball, Brad Nessler. Nobody stopped the ball. That's a no-no, especially with an explosive guard like Iverson. You gotta jump in front of him. You gotta make him pick up the dribble. You gotta make him get the ball out of his hand. Building a game plan for life. It's basketball and beyond. We return to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Welcome back. It is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network, and the great Dick Vitale is with us, a uh, Hall of Famer, 40 years with ESPN, really the voice of college basketball for ESPN. Dick, you had a quote, and I'm not I'm not sure how long ago you said it, but it was so spot on, and I want to get your, your thoughts. Quote, it's time for everyone to sit down, the NCAA, the NBA, the Players Union, and the coaching fraternity, and come up with suitable solutions to these problems, which I guess in the college game, there are several comments. Yeah. Well, you know, number one, uh, the problem is this, I personally think, and, and people could disagree with me. I think if a young kid wants to go to the NBA coming out of high school, that's his desire. And that's his goal. He should be allowed that freedom to make that decision. I don't think that they should make him go to college for a year and play when he doesn't want to be in college, college are the kids that want to be in college. And the bottom line is I would like to see, but it'll never happen. The rule where, okay, now if you do step in college and you don't go to the pros that you stay three years and then you go, because the game's stability is just not there. It's not the same when Ralph played and yeah. those guys played years ago mm-hmm. when, you know, I had games. I was telling somebody the other day, big East Monday, watching oh. Ewing and that gang that against the Coleman's and those guys. Uh, and then we don't have that. Now we don't even know who's going to be in a lineup. Next year, the whole roster changes because they change a player. And you know what's really sad, though, Ralph? 
there's a lot of kids, they're blown up big time by their people to think they're better than what they are. And they don't realize how tough it is to really play at that league. Now with the players coming in from all over the world, it is yeah. tough to play in that league, man. You got to be special. You got to be special. Uh, and they don't realize that. They don't realize it. I mean, I see guys, they're talking the other day, I'm doing a game. <clears throat> the other day I did a game and they're showing the mock draft. And we got guys in the first round that never happened in your era, Ralph, averaging five points a game, <laughs> six points a game, and they're drafting them on potential. So I did a thing. I said, you know what? Potential, potential, potential. You know what that does? Gets coaches fired. I want kids and players that are productive, productive, productive. They're saying, for example, I don't know if you've seen him at all, Ralph. He just broke the Iowa scoring record, a uh, kid named Luca Garza. Yep, He's yep. a 6'11 kid. Yep. And they're saying his foot speed's not quick enough. So the NBA scouts right now mock draft. You will not see him in the first round. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will bet that he makes somebody's roster, and I will bet because the kid is he is a workaholic and he can flat out shoot the three. He's 6'11 with the game it is today. They rotate the biggest. We don't have the post players like when you played. Ain't no more post ups. Ain't no more post ups. No. So I said, this guy's going to make somebody's roster and he's going to prove that he can play. Now, he'll never be a star, I said, but he's going to be a very good NBA player. I mean, he's leading the nation in scoring, playing in the toughest league in basketball, the Big Ten this year. And yet, they got guys going to draft just because potential because they can run and jump. And I just think sometimes they make major mistakes. So Dick, I'm going to go back. So Dick, I'm going to go back to kids leaving early, the one and done. Two questions: Is this have you ever seen Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, UCLA been out of top 25? Which one? And then again, the young fellow that left Duke early. I mean, that's got. To, I've never seen anything just leave in the middle of the season, leave your teammates, leave the school. That that's just, something's not right there with me. Okay, well, first of all, you know, we haven't seen like the Blue Bloods have been struggling. So they had a good game, good day, a day last Saturday, but they've been struggling big time because a lot of them don't have veteran players. They're all young kids, and the young kids this year, because of the pandemic and because of not having those cupcake games, they're <laughs> familiar with each other and learn how to play a little bit in college. They've been thrown into it, and they've struggled. They're getting a little better now when you see some of them, but it might be late for them. But I will say this. The kid you're mentioning is Jalen Johnson yeah. from that there at Duke. I don't know the whole situation, but I do know this. Youngsters should have choices. If that, I, don't, I may not agree with his choice because I don't like the trend seeing kids leaving school in the middle of the year and opting out to go prepare for the NBA. However, my word I get from people is that it was an agreeable situation between the coaches at Duke and also the youngster's family. And if that's what he wants to pursue, I mean, he may not be right what he's doing, but the bottom line, that's what he wants to do. We're in America. He has that right, that opportunity. He wants it. Let him go. Bottom line is Duke's going to start basketball whether he goes or not. <laughs> Somebody's going to take his place, yes. You know, I, I, everybody's different. I'll tell you what really bothered me one year. And I happen to admire the guy as a player. You know him, Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen, during the year Zion Williamson played at Duke, came out and said he should leave in the middle of the year. He should leave right now. White took a chance getting hurt. And Zion came out and said, there's no way I'm leaving. You think I'm not going to play basketball if I leave Duke? I'm going to be on a playground. I'm going to be working out. I'm gonna, why would I want to do that over playing, getting great visibility and exposure and play 
you know, on national TV on a regular basis. And I admired the kid for that. I really did. I thought Scotty was off target talking about that because really to advise kids to leave, that's being selfish too. Don't you make a commitment with your teammates? Don't you make a commitment that you sweat together and you're busting your gut together? And then all of a sudden, maybe, I'm thinking just me, me, me. But a lot of times it's not the kids. It's outside sources that are filling their minds up what you can't believe. So those outside sources only want money. So do you think kids should be paid in college? Yeah, one of the things that's going to really be a nightmare is going to be they're going to allow kids starting next year to transfer without sitting out. So you this year, they didn't have that rule. And we had over 1,000 kids transfer. Right. When they have that rule, there'll be two or 3,000 kids are going to transfer. Because as soon as they don't play or get the shots they want, or, or somebody's filling their head up, and, hey, you come with us. Now they get the word out real quickly through some sources. You come with us, man. You'll be a star here. And the kids are going to light up. They don't have to sit out. I, I, I think that rule is terrible. Uh, the other thing is this. You asked me a question. I do feel that players should be somehow, some way. I mean, you're bringing in, man, loads of dollars to a school. And somehow, some way, the NCAA has to work it out where these kids also benefit. Benefit somehow. They keep talking about they're going to allow them to do something. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, there's a lot of chatter, a lot of talk, but I haven't seen it. So, so I don't know how you're going to supervise that. How yeah, are you yeah. going to supervise that? Yeah, I mean, personally, I look back, I used to speak on it as well. So it, it says student athlete in the NCAA book, student athlete, student first. So I should be, a, be able to be a regular student, right? And I should be able to get a summer job if the school wants to pay me. Pay me my minimum wage for the same amount of hours a student can make. Cause bring this, so give me something. You don't have to give me – but I get scholarship money. I get that as well. So that's right. perfect. But give me something so that I don't have to worry about all the stuff that's going on today. But well, one thing, Ralph, you earn in that scholarship. When they tell you give you a scholarship, they're not giving you anything for nothing. The hours no. that an athlete puts in where the other student can go out and get a job and do things, the whole different world. And also this, I'll say this. Let's say right now, Ralph Sampson was a great, forget my basketball, you are a great singer. I mean, you're in Virginia as a student, but you wanted to, that weekend, you're going to put on a concert somewhere. Let's say Taylor Swift or somebody big, uh, I don't know, Lionel Richie when he was younger. Let's say they were in school. And they wanted to go out and do concerts. There's nothing to stop them. They can go out and make all the money they want. Right. So why should an athlete be able to? If you want, if they want, if they they have some kind of a stipulation of how much one can get. But if Ralph Sampson can make appearances, and people want to pay him corporations for those appearances, why not? I have no problem with that. And it's for those that have earned it. You've earned it. I mean, I I, I think I think that, that things have changed, man. Remember this. They never paid players in the Olympics. They yep. finally got away from that. They pay players. We need an executive body or an executive voice for college basketball within Absolutely. the NCAA, right? Yeah, I've, I've written this, I don't know how many times in various books I have. I've written it years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have anybody representing college basketball who could be out there talking about the issues that are taking place, what has to be done. I'm telling you now, you mark my words, that this chaos that's going to exist, because just think about this, Mac and Ralph. Mm-hmm. A kid that's a sixth man, seventh man, eighth man, ninth man at one of the elite schools. You don't think other schools are going to fill their heads? Man, you sit in the pine over there, come with us. <laughs> You're starting, man. You're starting. I mean, the kids are going to be leaving like you can't believe. 
I think he's going to, you know, sometimes too in life, and I think we, we don't realize this, you're hurting kids rather than helping kids. You know, in life, sometimes you got tough times. Things aren't going well. So what do you do? You lace them up and you come and you think you should play early. I haven't met a coach yet that doesn't want to win. I haven't met a coach yet. And if you can prove you can play, he's going to play it. Tell me about the book again and tell me about the nonprofit that you host and where everybody can donate and buy the book again. I know we talked about it earlier, but I want to emphasize that because I know, you know, uh, the Jimmy V thing it actually is near and dear to my heart as well because from Wittenberg days in college and high school to losing to Coach V in the <laughs> ACC tournament and the Western Conference uh, of the NCAA. So I'm, I got some ties in that as well, but you also as well. So I want to make sure that everybody knows how special to me you are with the event you host. So tell everybody what to get, donate, and the book again, please. Thanks, thanks a lot, Ralph. Certainly the book, uh, all my merchandise, they go to dickvital.com. You'll see books, hats, basketballs, anything that I sell now, anything, all my profits goes directly to the V Foundation for kids battling cancer. We just sent a big check, my wife and I. So we're really excited that we've been able to help. Uh, so far, my gal has raised $37 million. Oh my goodness. That's, I don't mean growth. I mean, that's $37 million in research, doing research right now in all different kinds of cancer. And I wish I could reach a lot more professional athletes because I think the bottom line they would give because they realize they're all dads, they're all people involved with cousins, brothers, whatever. There's nothing worse. As we're doing this show today, guys, if you think people out there listening have a tough time, Think about this. Today and every day, not just today, every day, every day that people are right now, there are 45 to 50 mothers and fathers hearing your child has cancer. Four words no mom and dad ever, ever want to hear. Wow. Your, your message is as special as it gets. And Dick, we can't thank you enough for spending a, a few minutes with us. And truly, you are, you are one of the well, greats. No, rather than basketball, the only thing I ask you guys, please spread the word for people to go to dickvital.com and see right there they can donate, whatever. I keep begging and pleading because only four cents, this is sad, four cents out of every dollar that's donated and funded goes for kids battling cancer out of every dollar. And now every dollar I raise, every dollar goes for kids battling cancer. Yeah, that's awesome. And Ralph, I'm going to close with this because he is simply awesome, baby. So, <laughs> Thanks, Mac. Well, uh, Ralph and I will close up shop when we come back in the Winter Circle Network. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sports casting, I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson.
Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. All right, welcome back to the Winner's Circle Network. Final segment on Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Ralph, I think, you know, when you have a chance to spend time with a guy like Dick Vitale, and, and, and as you said, going through the ages with him as your career and then, you know, getting to know him and then coming back and all the, all the times that your paths have crossed, aren't sports relationships about as special as they get? And especially for you, because you've made so many, so many, you've built so many wonderful relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just think about it from, you know, and you recall relationships in university hall. I have relationships in high school. University hall, you had the, not only the janitors, but the ticket guys and the ushers up and down the arena that were there for probably 40 years, right? Mm-hmm. Before me, after me, et cetera. And I still recall their faces today and some names and seeing some of them pass away as well. And the same as in the NBA, the same as afterlife. So even, you know, the, 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 I can recall all of my uh, interviews to some extent with our own Houston Rocket reporters because we had two. We had, a, we had a good cop, we had a bad cop, right? <laughs> and one with, with two different newspapers. And the UVA, we had the Jerry Radcliffe and the Doug Dallas. Yeah, right. Uh, so you always had the guy that would write, but you build those relationships after and are doing. So even with Doug Dallas, I don't know if Mike remembers, we were down in UAB when we lost down there. Right. Uh, and they went on. Uh, to the NCAA next round, but I was so mad, whatever. And Doug Daly had said something and reported something. And then I was just mad and said, we lost, we threw him in the pool. I remember that. It was I a was pool there. that was not even clean and whatever. Was it was a dirty there. old pool. Yes. He was there. He threw his tail in the pool. And he remembers that today, but we built that relationship back then. And now he's retired, but he, he called me a, you know, a couple weeks ago. He says, I got all these pictures of you. I'm going to give you, I'm going to send to your house. Okay, great. Send them a house that I probably would want. So, even with Dick Vitale over the years, from that interview with UVA and uh, the, the North Carolina game to seeing him off the court at different all-star and or NBA March Madness, whatever event it may be, right? We built a relationship and he's never changed. Uh, we were at the Final Four when UVA won and he was there. Me and him did an event together. Mm-hmm. And we stood there with his wife and talked and chatted like it was just years gone by yesterday, right? So he was, he was good. He was good at what he was saying. And people loved him, got his autograph, and we had a good time. And he had his events that I've been invited to, et cetera. So he has not changed. He knows he's a brand, and he knows he's pretty successful at what he does. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. How about officials? Did you build relationships with the Paul Hausmans, the Lenny Wirtzes of the world? Did you have relationships with those guys? Absolutely. I mean, Lenny Wirtz, I mean, you can see off the court and now, I mean, they were so they're, they're, those guys like Lenny is iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knew Lenny works because of his self. And, you know, people like that, they're just a normal ref, they're just a ref. But then there's the Lenny Works. Then yeah. there's the, I built a relationship in college with a guy named uh, Todd Curley, which was Jess Curley's son, a yeah. father that was in the NBA. And Jess was officiated my game. He's passed on now. He was some cancer issues a number of years ago, but his sons, uh, Todd, actually at UVA as well, we became special friends of mine. And, you know, and I went to see Jess at his home a number of years year ago before he passed away, just to sit down and hang with him. Took my sons with me because I want him to know who Jess was. Wow. Uh, so it, 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 it's crazy. It's just how it works. I mean, I had one referee that lived in Pennsylvania beside my uncle and I down the street, uh, Dale Garrison. You know, the famous, everybody knew Dale Garrison and his son, et cetera. So you build off relationships. 
no matter whatever. But the key, Mac, is staying connected to those relationships. You might only see them once, once a year, twice a year. But some of them pop up on my phone and is this guy's birthday. My phone, would, I'll just reach out and say happy birthday. Yeah. Say, oh, you did that. Just to stay connected because that makes people smile and it makes them happy, I hope, and also makes them know that you're thinking about them. You bring up a good point because to this day, if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Father's Day, I always send a note to Mike London. Yep. Uh, I always send a note to Ron Prince, yep. who's offensive coordinator. I mean, these are guys, and there are other people that I always because I just want to let them know you're in my circle, and yep. uh, I'm still thinking about you. In fact, we ought to do a show on relationships and how important they are. We will. We so should with do that, that. Tease. We will because I can't even believe you told me this week that we've got an interview with Buck Williams coming up and the, the wars that you and Buck had. I mean, I can't, I can't wait till that day. So yeah, it'll be some, yeah, and all, but all those stories, even after the fact, it's going to be interesting to see what we remember when oh, we played. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, but, but if the relationship off the court, that lasts forever, the yeah, relationship right. on the court builds it, but the relationship off the court lasts for lifetimes. And whether it's true or not, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make a difference. It's, it's always a good story to tell. It doesn't make a difference. You're All right. right, Ralph, have a good week. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Appreciate right. it. Thanks. All right. The Winner's Circle Network and Center Court with Ralph Sampson. And that's our day. You guys have a great weekend. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.